0: Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra. I come to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland-Pacific Northwest. Today, the 11th of April, 2020, I'm going to discuss with you something that I've just been working on in one of my video lectures. So you can go ahead and look at that, which is published two days ago. Um, for right now, though, I want to do this on Authentic Biochemistry. So let's just get started. Now, the as a a preface to this discussion, I'm going to go back for a few moments and just tell you that sphingolipids play a role in tissue remodeling, and they can mediate pathobiochemical pathways in various diseases in humans. And if you want to get down to the very specific, one particular sphingolipid known as ceramide, and then, of course, the prenal lipid cholesterol, the ratio of those two lipids in the plasma membrane, can alter the mobility of what are known as lipid rafts. Lipid rafts basically move in and out of the plasma membrane and from other endomembranous compartments. What happens though is very interesting and quite significant to an overall disease etiology, which is far more complicated than what first blush would consider. You see these rafts modulate the movement of receptor proteins they don't, not only modulate that movement, they also modulate the aggregation of specific proteins on the surface of the membrane and therefore control their activation either from external to the cell or internal to the cell or internal to the membrane, three different potential sites of activation. And therefore, I can control that movement which is controlled by the ratios of ceramide, cholesterol, and other lipids, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, they can control cell signaling either to cause tissue damage, tissue preservation, or to control overall what the cell plans to do in terms of cell death, homeostasis, or autophagy. And even that, more specifically, depending on the ceramide molecular species, that means which fatty acid is associated to the nitrogen atom as an amide linkage, that will have a tremendous effect on which way the pathway goes. So it can associate itself with cellular concentration changes, mole percent changes within the membrane, and that will then alter the balance between a pathobiochemical and a non-pathological response. In fact, it's becoming clear that there are very specific lipid changes at the molecular species level that actually determine cell phage and this disease presentation at the level of immediacy, and then, as I've said, the sequelae, and finally resetting a new homeostasis for all kinds of stress responses in the cell, such as endoplasmic reticulum stress responses, known as ERSs, programmed cell death, or indeed autophagy. I talked to you uh, last time on my video lecture, a paper published in Biochem, Biophysacta, uh, in the biomembranes uh, section of that journal, volume 1858, published in November of 2016. And in that paper, the reason I brought it up was the following. Lipid rafts, it, it, this is what this paper will tell you in summary. Lipid rafts are microdomains within a membrane, as I just said. That are rich in cholesterol, sphingolipids, and a lot of different kinds of proteins. Lipid rafts contribute to enriching platforms to accelerate, as I said, oligomerization of a number of proteins, including beta pore-forming toxins on the cell surface. Epsilon toxin, which comes from Clostridium perfringens, organizes lipid rafts to the plasma membrane. And the receptors within those rafts then serve to concentrate the toxin that allows for oligomerization such that caviolin-1 and caviolin-2 in the lipid raft augment further epsilon-toxin-induced cytotoxicity. That's by promoting toxin itself, oligomerization. So sphingolipids are essential membrane lipid raft components, plus they are potent intracellular messengers and signaling cascades which I just said includes apoptosis, inflammation, cell proliferation and <clears> then <throat> As we've seen in further discussions going on, ceramide is produced by the cleavage of sphingomyelin, and can, that cleavage of, and, uh, uh, via three other <laughs> pathways, but the schwingomyelinases can be neutral or they can be acidic. You also have de novo synthesis and scavenger synthesis mm-hmm. of ceramide. So the sphingomyelinase mediates ceramide production on the plasma membrane will result in a very unique ceramide-rich platform, and that can become a local site of protein oligomerization. And the protein oligomerization can then result in the invasion of an infectious agent. So what is cellular autophagy? That involves the partitioning and reorganization of the cell, which leads to a selective turnover and in fact, a reorientation of non-nuclear organelles. Intracellular lipid droplets also are degraded, endomembranous lipid structures are changed, and the plasma membrane turnover occurs via what's known as a peroxisomal mediated lipid degradation. Actually, it's a partial beta-oxidation. You also get the formation of protein supercomplexes, Polyprotein filaments and nuclear protein complexes, all within cellular autophagy. The substrates for autophagy include, of course, the entire organelle, such as a peroxisome or a mitochondria or a Golgi or an ER, cytoplasmic inclusion body, cytoskeletal glycoproteins, cytoskeletal remnants, etc. Ultimately, sections of an autophagus subcellular structure is partitioned by specialized phagophore membranes. And then ultimately digested to yield respiratory intermediates for energy, such of course as fatty acids. Autophagy can be induced by preventing import of nutrients, so basically a starvation or fasting for the cell, or blocking of secretion of waste products can also cause autophagy. Uh, and that can occur from uh, a stoppage from subcellular compartments, whole tissues, or even isolated cells. The whole process is linked to differentiation, normal development, of course. And in fact, it can be a program response to ultimately achieve overall cellular tissue homeostasis. So autophagy has become a significant research area in cell biology because it's involved in auto-inflammatory diseases and also in cancers and also in cardiovascular diseases and metabolic diseases associated specifically with obesity. So autophagy, then... It has a pathway. It's a series of proteins involved. So let me just kind of like explain which ones. One of them is mTOR. That's the target of rapamycin. And another really important protein in autophagy is the AMP kinase. So mTOR shuts off autophagy in the presence of, say, abundant nutrition. Okay? And mTOR then involves making a lot of proteins and getting a cell ready, if it is destined to do so, for cell division. <clears throat> now AMP kinase works sort of like contrary to that. It's act, it's activated upon an energy stress, such as I said, a cellular fasting. So AMP kinase induces autophagy because it inhibits mTOR directly, and it's because stim- it because it phosphorylates it, and thereby it stimulates an upstream autophagy autophagy pathway um, through proteins that are called UNC fifty one. UNC-51-like autophagy-activating kinases, ULK, and Class III, Fosotilinocetol-3 kinase complexes. You get vesicular expansion, which requires that autophagy-related gene 8, that's ATG8, and light chain protein 3, which we'll talk about soon here, and autophagy-related gene 12, that's ATG12, and ultimately a ubiquitin-like conjugating system all come together. Autophagy receptors, for example, like P62, can mediate a selective recruitment of cargo to the inner vesicle membrane, and following vesicular closure, which has to do with, again, this lipid membrane raft alteration, the autophagosome fuses with the lysosome, whereby the engulfed material ultimately gets degraded. You, You can find this work in a paper published in Frontiers of Oncology on the 31st of March in 2017. So let me go on. Here's a paper published in the International Journal of Molecular Science in 2019, October of just last year. Uh, And that's going to be starting at page 4860. What this paper is going to tell you is that there are central roles, of course, for sphingolipids, especially sphingomyelin and ceramide, skeletal and smooth muscle function. Smooth muscle, really important when you think about the lung. Ceramide accumulation in skeletal muscles has been detected in a response to numerous nutritional and stressful stimuli, such as high-circulating free fatty acid, insulin resistance, and oxidative damage. All of those latter three are associated with obesity in humans. Ceramide increases, in fact, in the animal model, in a rodent soleus muscle model, when it's subjected to an acute and long-term hind limb suspension. Basically, what that mimics is the sedentary lifestyle and obesity. So what happens is you get a sphingomyelinase-mediated, ceramide-enriched microdomain generated in the plasma membrane. And... They then merge spontaneously into a large raft platform that aggregates proteases and other receptors and signaling molecules, and thus translating an induction via an acidic sphingomyelinase as induced by the one of the key pro-inflammatory cytokines in tissue, in, 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 uh, tissue that has been damaged, and that cytokine is TNF-alpha. 2-necrosis uh, factor alpha. Okay. Now, continuing with this paper, <clears throat> sphingomyelin hydrolysis is induced in situ as upon the stimulation of ASM, this is acidic sphingomyelinase, there will be a discontinuity of two membrane systems. The dislocating and reorganizing raft system we've been talking about and the left-behind reorganized plasma membrane. Now, that will occur because of the redistribution of the mole percent of sphingomyelin, serumide, phosphatidylcholine, and cholesterol, as well as a reorganization of the proteins with which annular lipid domains maintain as active resource centers for docking, hormonal binding, secretion, cellular uptake, endosome and exosome trafficking, and indeed cell membrane potential, and the entire range of importing and exporting of biofuels, like fatty acids and glucose, thus altering overall cellular bioenergetics, oxygen tension, so the possibility of becoming hypoxic, and a range of possibilities that can lead to that hypoxia and autophagy, And on one end, uh, or the other end of the spectrum, program cell death and indeed autophagy. So plasma membrane lipid asymmetry is, of course, essential for cellular integrity. When you alter that asymmetry in any way by inducing an enzyme in the membrane or or associated with trafficking lipids to that membrane or pulling them back out via the peroxisomal pathway I talked about on my video lecture a couple of days ago, you're going to get a change in that membrane dynamic. And that's going to completely alter cellular fate. And cellular fate, in aggregate, will change tissue fate and thus function of that tissue. For example, the epithelia of the lung. Okay. Thus altering oxygenation of hemoglobin, translocation of oxygen throughout the body, and subsequently potential for hypoxia, or indeed oxygen starvation, and then ultimately multiple organ failure. Okay, Now, pretreatment of muscle cells in this paper, going back to specifically this paper, with a compound called clomipramine, which is a, also a, in a class of, of compounds which are known as functional inhibitors of acid sphingomyelinase, or phiasmas, when you pre-treat a muscle cell with clomipramine, it stabilizes the raft integrity in so-called synaptic or junctional domains. So why am I telling you this? Well, recall that all SSRIs, serotonin selective reabsorption inhibitors, all of the class of of compounds that are used in psychotherapy are all actually phiasmas. That's right. They are functional inhibitors of acid sphingomyelinase. So it's only downstream effect that they alter reabsorption inhibition, right, that they affect that. What they're really doing at the molecular level is that they are inhibiting an acid sphingomyelinase, okay? So that's what they're doing, right? They're functional inhibitors of that enzyme, which means they're going to decrease the amount of ceramide production from that specific pathway, which is the acid sphingomyelinase pathway. Now recall that aggregation of membrane proteases is linked to the coronavirus infection. And that aggregation... Is induced by a ceramide mediated lipid raft insertion into damaged or otherwise diseased from other disease plasma membranes, such as bacterial diseases. So, this paper showed that when you looked at ceramide fluorescence in those junctions of the soleus muscle cells, that Upon muscle damage, because they suspended that hind limb, you got muscle damage. Remember, that's like a sedentary lifestyle. The effect, so what you get is an increase in ceramide, okay? But you can knock back that effect by using that tricyclic antidepressant I told you about, okay? That I just mentioned to you, and that is this clomipramine, okay? Now, that's a tricyclic antidepressant. But all of the conventional SSRIs, like fluoxetine, also known as Prozac, peroxetine, known as Paxil, and sertraline, known as Zoloft, all of those are also these functional inhibitors of acid sphingomyelinase. They also fall into another category of drugs, a larger category, and I'm going to now introduce that whole concept to you, okay? Those, that category, are cationic amphipathic drugs. That means they act as cations in the cell, okay? And they are amphipathic, which means they can move because they have a hydrophobic end and a hydrophilic end in and out of membranous systems. Now, here's a paper published in March of 2017, in a journal called Scientific Reports, volume 7. The first author is is a person named Magdalena Vater. And this was article number 44277, published in 2017. Now, when I pull this paper up this morning, the 11th of April 2020, it's only got seven citations. It means only seven people have cited this paper. It was published now, three years ago. Published in March 2017. So hardly no one has read this paper, but I've read it. Now, listen what this paper tells us. Cationic amphipathic drugs, or amphiphilic drugs, comprise a wide variety of different substance classes, including antidepressants, antipsychotics, and anti arithmetics. Okay, huge class of drugs. It's well-recognized that these CADs, cationic amphiphilic drugs or amphipathic drugs, accumulate in certain intracellular compartments, and that leads to specific morphological changes of cells. Of course, because why? I just told you their function is to inhibit an acid sphingomyelinase, so wherever you're going to find an acidic compartment where there's an enzyme that's a sphingomyelinase, which is going to take sphingomyelin and turn it into ceramide and phosphorylcholine, these drugs are going to inhibit that reaction and inhibit the accumulation of ceramide and change lipid rat formation. Okay, Wow, that's pretty interesting. You'll see why in a moment. <clears throat> so makes a big morphological change. I just told you why that is, because you're changing the membrane lipid component. So far, this paper will tell you, there's no adequate technique to really look at how these CADs work in intact cells. So these people looked at the zytobup- Bupropamine, okay, and that's now a multifunctionally prescribed antidepressant drug, okay. And so they use that drug because it's more stable and they were able to look at it. And they use the fluorescent pattern of it, okay. And what they found was that the mitochondrial compartment of the late endosomal and the late endosomal uh, compartment were the preferred localization sites for that drug, okay, when that drug is administered at low to intermediate concentrations, like 1 to 5 micromolar. Now, when you enhance the amount of drug added, you load it, you load it into the autophagosomal compartment. And that's where the acidic sphingomyelinase is. And that's also, as it turns out, where this protein LC3 is. Which I told you is low, uh, which is a locus for autophagy, and I just told you what autophagy was all about, so you get an idea, okay? So when you get the ten micromolar, this drug, this CAD drug, this ant- this, this antidepressant, loads into the autophagosome, and that is where the ASM is, right? The acidic sphingomyelinase, okay? So at the morphological level, this LC3 protein starts to cluster when you get high enough concentrations of the drug. And that's going to then mediate autophagy in the cell. So this LC3 is a lipoprotein, and it's strongly linked to autophagy and autophagy-associated processes. That's right out of this paper I'm telling you now. And this paper tells us that CADs are known to modulate autophagy, okay, particularly through this LC3 protein. And I just told you that this azitobupramine occurs at high enough concentrations in the autophagolysosome, thus affecting this LC3 aggregation, which then is going to change uh, the autophagy of that cell. In fact, it's going to enhance it. Now, why is that important? Because if that cell has high levels of ceramide because of the lipid raft and whatnot, you're going to get an aggregation of certain proteins to the plasma membrane, as I told you, proteases, which can serve as a docking mechanism for invading pathogens like the coronavirus. See, there's the linkage. But also, ceramide functions to induce, remember, those rather nasty forms of apoptosis, right? For example, ferroptosis, right? Necrosis, right? And when that happens, that cell that has that high level of ceramide, not only is it causing the aggregation of these proteases, it's allowing the induction of a foreign uh, substance or foreign cell or virion in, like the coronavirus. If those proteins that are aggregated because of the lipid raft happen to be proteases that bind to the spike protein of that virus, which has been shown in SARS and MERS, which I talked about previously in other lectures, then what you're going to get is programmed cell death. You're going to get a massive decay of those cells, right? an explosion of them, which will then induce a, a production of pro-inflammatory cytokines like IL-1 beta and IL-18, because remember, some of those proteases are turned on; they're basically convertases, turning them into pro from pro cytokines, pro pre-pro inflammatory cytokines, to pro inflammatory cytokines, and they're secreted, thus inducing a cytokine uh, explosion in a localized area, which can then confer the aggregation of more innate immune cells, and some of them being dendritic cells, and then carrying carrying out their function as antigen-presenting cells because they do a couple of different things. They can then start targeting T cells, and T cells can then turn on something like natural killer cell T lymphocytes, which can destroy whole tissue beds. If those tissue beds are the epithelia of a lung, the lung's function decreases, oxygenated blood levels decrease, solid organ failure, morbidity, mortality, you see. All right. So that's what what overall what I'm telling you. So there are two papers that were referenced in this 2019 paper. I want to also uh, bring to your attention because these authors did. One is a paper by Marceau et al., And the title of the paper tells it all. Cation trapping by cellular acidic compartments like the onythagolysosome. And it says beyond the concept of lysosomotropic drugs. Because what it's telling you is that when you trap one of these CAD drugs into an autophagolysosome, you're now altering the metabolism of the cell. That's just trapping that compound. How are you doing it? By inhibiting the acid sphingomyelin. These papers don't tell you that. I'm telling you that, right? These papers aren't at that level of discussion. So I'm linking other papers to this paper because that's how you do science, right? So that paper was published in... Uh... Uh, toxicology and applied pharmacology, 259 in 2012. 259 is, of course, the the specific volume. Now, there's another paper that this 2019 paper references by Piccoli, and this paper is about trafficking through late endosomes and how that can induce a Nyman-Pick type of phenotype. Remember, that is a disease we talked about again, synthetic biochemistry, lectures, which is associated with lipid raft formation because of the alteration of cholesterol and ceramide. That was published in Biochemical Pharmacology, volume 82 back in 2011. Okay, so I want to make sure I give you all the references. <clears throat> now, remember that several sphingosine-based bioactive lipids are found within membranes all over the cell, right? And they traffic through them, and they've been implicated in um, physiological and pathophysiological states. Uh, and they also function, of course, as regulatory singling molecules, such as ceramide-1-phosphate and sphingosine-1-phosphate, which I've talked about in great length in previous lectures. Now, besides sphingomyelin, the major lipid found in the myelin sheath, of course, of the critical neuronal tracts in the central nervous system and associated metabolites like ceramide, ceramide-1-phosphate, sphingosine, sphingosine-1-phosphate, all of those are necessary and universally bioactive sphingolipids. Now, there are also a a major role for cerebrosides, which are then going to be covalently linked to galactose glucose or sialic acid and sometimes to sulfonyl sphingolipid metabolism. We don't really know how that might link up to the uh, the, uh, sphingomyelinases, but we do know that there are glucosidases which then will release ceramide. So there's multiple possibilities for the induction of ceramide synthesis in the CNS and anywhere else in the body. So the cellular and extracellular trafficking sphingomyelin sphingolipids are going to be interconvertible to all those other lipids I just mentioned, all those cerebrosides, for example. And that's all via enzymatic pathways that we can talk about at great length and I've shown you on video lectures over again and again and again why sphingolipids are so important. Anyway, this is overall implicated in various physiological phenomena, good, positive physiological phenomena, like inflammation, like stress resistance, like cellular proliferation when it's necessary because cells need to be uh, uh, rebuilt after tissue damage, for example. All of this processing of Schwingolick metabolism also is necessary for differentiation. And in what I call the plastic and elastic remodeling of the neuronal and glial sulfate in the CNS. So these potentiating shingolipids lipids are implicated in processes such as cell division, cell growth, apoptosis, autophagy, senescence, adhesion, migration, inflammation, as I've been saying, angiogenesis, and endosomal plus organelle intracellular trafficking. There are, of course, a po- with all that in mind, are opposing and reinforcing modes of action, and they've been ascribed to individual sphingolipid classes and molecular subclasses. For example, ceramide is a harbinger of programmed cell death. I've been telling you that. While ceramide 1-phosphate and sphingosine 1-phosphate, related to sustain cy- cell vitality and, in fact, transformational viability. How about that? Now, mere addition or removal of ATP from a cell or utilization of that ATP for other processes, such as gluconeogenesis, you're going to get the anhydri- that anhydride phosphate is not going to be available to phosphorylate those lipids. That's going to then change the overall cellular fate. So bioenergetics plays a major role. Okay? So it's no wonder that some of us biochemists, lipid biochemists, are really interested in bioactive sphingolipids. lipids. So ceramide biosynthesis is controlled by serine pulmonary transferase, and the product of that is dihydrosphingosine, which is is converted by an enzyme called ceramide synthase to dihydroceramide, which then is converted by an enzyme called dihydroceramide desaturase to ceramide.